Our series is called First Things, Priorities That Lead to a Good Life. Today we're talking about the priority of lifelong learning. What does it take to keep growing all lifelong? That's what Bobby Clinton said. He said, if you know that God is going to grow you over a lifetime, you may be more willing to stay for the whole ride. What does it take to stay for the whole ride? I think of a guy who said, hey, I was a 22-year-old Christian, but I wasn't really a 22-year-old Christian. I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. Now, some of us are cycling around the uh, cul-de-sac. We keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. What does it take to keep growing all life long? And the answer is to stay teachable. From the Word of God, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Would you follow along with me in your Bible? Luke 19, 1 to 10. Hear God's Word this morning. He entered Jericho, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, that is the people around, the people who were judging the the chief priests and tax collectors, uh, his colleagues, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's word. Let us pray. God bless us now through this word, not only to our minds to receive it, but to our hearts to believe it, that through our lives we may live it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. You've heard this song probably when you were young. And uh, I have to ask myself, why do we teach this story to uh, young people, to, to children? Because it's really a story of a man having a midlife crisis. <laughs> I mean, imagine like this. This is what it looked like to those, to see this guy running, uh, to see him climbing a tree, this guy in the middle of his life, grown man. It's a little like uh, maybe seeing, coming to church and seeing your grandfather climbing up a tree because Jay-Z is coming through town. I mean, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't you think uh, the kids would say, uh, Mom, there's something wrong with Grandpa. Well, that's, that's pretty much how he was being received. You didn't run in that culture if you were a grown man. You didn't show your ankles even. Uh, you certainly wouldn't be caught climbing a tree. Here's a man willing to humble himself, humiliate himself because of possibility. And that's where we're going this morning. What does it take to grow all life long? And the answer is to be teachable. Teachable people, teachable people are open. They're 
eyes are open, their grip is open, and their throttle is open. So let's take a look. First of all, people who are teachable have their eyes open. Their eyes are open to possibility. Possibility that you can change and you can continue to change, that people actually can be different, that their character can be affected even halfway through life. People who continue to grow see through that kind of filter that change is possible. They see the possibility. Now, the way we view people mostly is through a filter of either or. You're either naughty or nice. And we always, we always uh, sort of evaluate it through externals. But, but you don't know whether that generous person um, has so much to give that it's easy for them to be generous. And you don't know that that grumpy person, uh, it took everything for them to crawl out of bed this morning. Our, our filter d- doesn't read the heart. And not only that, uh, there are not just two kinds of people in the world. You see, Zacchaeus's eyes are being opened and we're being taught that there's a third way, a third way. Not just that people are on a scale from naughty to nice and that people need moral teaching and they need the gospel to help them become nicer if they're already nice or nice if they're naughty. This is not what the gospel is about. Did you know that, 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 that Christianity wasn't called Christianity for most of the first, uh, uh, first hundred years of, of, its, of the church's life? It was called the way. And finding this way, following Christ, and finding a third way is what we're talking about. In order to keep growing, we have to see the possibility that people can grow and change all life long. I'll give you another modern-day example. Chuck Colson. He was called Nixon's Hatchet Man. Now, Chuck was sent to prison for the Watergate scandal. And in prison, he learned this third way. He didn't move from naughty to nice. He really became a different person. But, but someone, a journalist, saw it uh, through a cynical lens uh, saw it through the filter of two kinds of people. And she decided, well, Chuck is just a mover and a shaker. He's a talented guy. So, uh, you know, he didn't have a life-changing experience. He's just trying to figure out how this, how as a driven person, he can turn this, this thing into a positive for himself. Yeah, I, I can understand that a little bit. You know, I was, I was uh, reading this book one time uh, by a guy who had... Um, really done a lot of shady things in order, to, um, in order to pile up a lot of things for himself. And then he began to use all of his accumulated wealth, it seemed, to write a book and buy a, repu- a reputation. <laughs> and so I was looking at it through sort of a cynical lens, you know, that this was somebody who was a shady person and now they're, they're trying to use all of that they accomplished now in the second half of life, in order to look good. Uh, it was a PR move in some way, and, and that might have been the case, but not in the case of Chuck Colson. Listen to what he says in his own words, what happened to him through his experience of humiliation, through climbing the tree, through running in public. You know, Chuck was a changed man. This is what he said. But all at once, 
I realized that it was not my success God had used to enable me to help those in this prison or in hundreds of others just like it. My life of success, all my achievements, meant nothing in God's economy. No, the real legacy of my life was my biggest failure, that I was an ex-convict. My greatest humiliation, being sent to prison, was the beginning of God's greatest use of my life. He chose the one thing in which I could not glory for His glory. Now that, that doesn't sound like somebody going from naughty to nice. It doesn't sound like somebody on this binary scale of you're, you're either a bad person or a good person. You're going instead from death to life. This is someone who had found new life. You know, King Solomon even speaks of this. He, he was somebody who had the ability, like Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, somebody who was very wealthy. It underscores that point. Solomon was the same way. He had the ability to buy anything he wanted. He had the ability to test life out to the nth degree, the pleasures of life, even philanthropy. He said he, he, he even tested out philanthropy to see if that would bring him joy and significance. And what does he say in Ecclesiastes? He said it was all vanity. It was all vanity. Now, here is someone, Chuck Colson. Here is someone, Zacchaeus, who is seeing a third way. He's laying down all of his accolades, all of his accomplishments and achievements, and he's finding new life. So that's the first way to stay teachable. We have to see the possibility that change is possible, that, that people even halfway through life can continue to grow and change. The second is to be open not only to the possibility, but open to making room for possibility. It's to open your grip. It's to let go of some of those things where you think you're finding life and to replace them with the very thing that brings life. It's to make room for possibility, not just to see possibility, but to make room for possibility. I think of this uh, monkey trap in Africa. Uh, the way you catch a monkey in Africa is you take a gourd, it's hollowed out, it's got a narrow uh, opening to it, you chain that gourd to a tree and you put a treat inside into the open cavity. A monkey comes along, reaches into that narrow passage, grabs hold of the treat inside of it, and then he can't, he can't get loose because he won't loosen his grip. His fist won't let him pull it out. His fist full of the treat won't let him pull his hand free. He's a prisoner of his own grip. Now that, that could be you and me. Not just uh, before trusting Christ or not just before becoming a Christian, but even afterwards. There are things where we think life can be found that that, that has its grip on us. We think we have life by the tail, but it's really grabbed hold of us, and, and it's not necessarily where life can be found. And, and so what we want to do then, what we think we can do, is we can have all of that plus God, all of that plus the gospel. We think we can have life the way we want to arrange it, the way we think it can, should be arranged, the way and where we think it be found can be found. And then we want some spiritual sprinkles on top of that parfait as well. We want sort of a plus God 
arrangement. You know, I think that especially young people, when they, when they see someone whose character they, they, they distrust, or when they see somebody who has uh, betrayed them, uh, sort of getting a lot of attention in spiritual circles or in the church, or when they see somebody who has mistreated others uh, for most of their career, and now they're making a name for themselves in the church, they can become kind of cynical. Uh, they begin to see someone who, who wants to use the church or use God or use spirituality and they want to add that to their list of achievements. And sometimes that can be very discouraging to young people. I think that's why Jesus says it's better to, that people uh, have a, a millstone hung around their neck and to be thrown into the lake than to make somebody who's young to stumble. So I think we need to take very seriously what it means to be lifelong learners, to replace life with life, where we think it's found, to where it can be found. You know, I, I think of it a little bit like this, finding that third way, not just saying, not just nodding in all the right places, uh, sometimes just nodding a little too quickly, right? Uh, we hear something uh, that's a spiritual principle and we say, oh yeah, that's right, we agree, but it doesn't change us. You know, it's like we're all educated above our level of obedience or our, all, all educated above our, our level of, uh, of internalization of these things. We nod too quickly. Mark Twain says, it, it's not the things in the Bible that I understand that are troubling, that I don't understand that are troubling. It's the things that I do understand. Now, now what he meant was he was trying to discredit the Bible, but think of that for a minute. Are you being changed by what you're learning? Or is it just information and you're nodding a little bit too quickly? A lot of times I see this in terms of people getting intrigued with the book of Revelation or thinking of Scripture as, as a code to crack. And so they think they have special wisdom or special knowledge. And really that draws attention to themselves. And, 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 and they're on a program of building up self and building up ego and building up reputation rather than it being broken down and broken down and broken down that they can make more room for more of the gospel, for more joy. You know, it's a little bit like writing. Have you ever tried to write something? Uh, my uh, English professor uh, in freshman year said, writing is rewriting. And it took, me, it, took it a long time to, to sink in that writing is rewriting. And, and sometimes when I'm writing, I realize I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm, I, I'm too in love with my own prose. I'm too in love with what I wrote. I, I, I'm too focused and, and gripped like that monkey in the trap by what I've written. And what I have to do is just cut it. Cut it, cut it, get rid of it. And then I begin to see a new possibility. Are you making room for the gospel in your life? Are you making room? See, this, this passage of Zacchaeus is contrasted. You, you've got to contrast it with other places where Jesus has confronted somebody who's a tax collector um, like Levi or somebody who's very wealthy like the rich young ruler. What happens in the passage with the rich young ruler is, Jesus says, well, the, the young ruler rather says to Jesus, how do I find life, eternal life? He says, well, you know the, the scriptures. Uh, and he says, well, I've obeyed them all my life. Well, he says, well, then, then there's one thing lacking. You just need to go sell all that you own. Right? See, he's making a point. He's using hyperbole. The rich young ruler goes away disappointed. Unlike Zacchaeus who says, okay, yeah, I'm going to make more and more room for what I've found. You see, more and more room. 
Jesus has commentary on the rich young ruler. After he leaves, he says to his disciples, he turns to him and he says, you know, it's easier for, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. What's he saying? That sounds very severe. And you think, oh my goodness, does that mean if I've got any money, I, there's no hope for me? No, that's not what he's saying. You know, some people try to dumb this down. They say, well, you know, the eye of the needle was a special gate that was only open at nighttime in Jerusalem. And so a camel had to get down on his knees in order to go through it with all its stuff. Well, that sounds good, but that was probably, didn't, uh, wasn't constructed around, till around the 12th century. So you can't, you can't dumb this down. Jesus is using hyperbole. And he's saying, look, if you want God and, then what you're doing is you're trying to say life by its own program, my identity, by my own achievements, my own accomplishments, I want that, plus I want God. It's to see that there are only two possibilities instead of a third way. It's to hold on to the idea that, that somehow that, that we can just add God to life, that that's going to tip the scales for us. We're going to go from naughty to nice. There's no way to make up for all of that we've done. And that's what Zacchaeus sees. He says, I can't make up for all of this. But I can follow the one, the one who is inviting me to a third way. And so making room is done out of joy, not out of penance. He's not paying back fourfold because he has to. I mean, in that day and age, you know, if he, if he was dragged before the court and he was found to have defrauded anybody, as it says, you know... It, you know, he would have had to pay fourfold. But he's doing it on his own volition, you see? Because he found a third way. And he's making room for more of it. And so, are you making room? If you want to be teachable, you have to be open. You have to loosen your grip on where you thought life could be found to make room for life as it's offered you in the gospel. And that's really how you open the throttle too. Not only open eyes, not just an open grip, but an open throttle. You know, to accelerate in the Christian life is to, is to continue to, to find spark right in the place that lit your engine in the first place. If the gospel frees you from all of the, the old and for all of the new, then daily we have to go back to that place. Somebody said, you know, we've got to preach the gospel to ourselves every day because where we find life initially, is how we find momentum all life through. You see, that's what you see here uh, with Zacchaeus. When he's being accused by people who are looking at his change through cynical eyes, through a cynical lens, he doesn't turn to them and try to justify himself. He turns to the Lord. He says, look, Lord. He says, hey, these people are trying to drag me down. They're trying to suggest that I'm still stuck. Uh, well, you know what? I, you can have it. You can have my life. He turns to the Lord. He doesn't turn to them. He doesn't say, hey, look, I want to convince you that I am a changed person. Instead, he's really saying, look, I want to continue to work on me. And as a result, he becomes a person of influence. Think of that, you see? Think of that. So often we listen to lessons and to scriptures and sermons for somebody else. <laughs> we, we stay stuck. It doesn't get into us. And so we lose our greatest influence. Our greatest influence is over ourselves. I guarantee you that people were impressed by Zacchaeus' change. Not because he said, look, let me show you, let me prove to you, let me instruct you. But because they saw him continue to go with God, continue to grow with God.
Yeah, Jordan Peterson uh, sort of mocks young people. And I, I, think, I think I understand why young people are offended by Jordan Peterson when he says, look, do you want to change the world? Go see if you can clean up your room. I understand that. That's kind of offensive. But he does have an important point for all of us, no matter how old we are. He's saying, look, your greatest influence is over yourself. If you want to change the world, you know, go, go see if you can keep your room clean. Before you go and, and tell everybody in this, this administration, last administration, how they should be doing things or how they should be operating during this time of pandemic, uh, see if you can get your house in order. You know, we have so many opinions and we so freely share it. And here is a man, Zacchaeus, who is saying, look, I don't know about all that, but I do know this. I want more of what I've gotten here. I want more of the hope, the love, joy, peace, and patience that I've gained. I want more of it. And as a result of, of working more on himself, over which he has the greatest influence, he becomes a person of influence, a person of gravitas. You know, the, the, the Billy Graham Association says that most people commit their lives to faith before age of 18. That may be true, and I understand why they're saying that. You know, young people are, 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 are people who are open to possibility and risk, and they're exploring the big questions of life. But all of us need to be uh, experiencing seasons of awakening to wake up to the gospel again and again in deeper and deeper ways. Um, it, it's like adding color, more increasing color to your life. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, it's Mother's Day, and I, I think of my mom today. Of course, uh, she died about 15 years ago. And, um, and I remember after she died, the color kind of drained out of life. It was like, it was like when, I, when I was uh, going back to uh, the fall season and looking forward to, to, to fall football. I just didn't have much interest in it. The color had kind of drained out of life, but I remember the color beginning to come back again. It began to come back again and again. That, that describes a little bit by analogy what it's like to be a lifelong learner, to be teachable, to be somebody who doesn't just say, hey, look, I checked that box when I was under 18, to say, I've got, I've got possibility ahead of me. I've got learning ahead of me. I've got growth ahead of me. Uh, I, I want to paint more of life with the color that began to, 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 in, to, to seep into my life initially. I want to gain momentum with the thing that started my engine in the first place. In other words, what we're saying here is to be a lifelong learner, is to be someone who, who is seeing the gospel have increasing influence over yourself. Over yourself. Somebody said changed people change people? Not quite. Think of it this way. Changing people, people who continue to change all life long. Those people, changing people change people. See, that's what, that's what is happening in this, this passage with Zacchaeus. He's changing. He's in the middle of his life. He's waking up. It's not just the story of somebody coming to, to Christ initially. It's somebody who is increasing the color of more and more of his life. You see, that's, that's what it takes to be a teachable person, to be a lifelong learner, to be open to the possibility of a third way to follow the way, the truth, and the life. Not to see life through on or off, good and bad, naughty or nice, 
It's to be open. Open your grip to the things, you know, opening your grip and l- releasing those things where you thought you were finding life. And it's to open the throttle, to recognize that the very thing that brought you life in the first place will bring you momentum because changing people change people. So as we go through this series, let's pursue lifelong growth. Let's become lifelong learners. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we we thank you for the ways that you found us and we pray that you'd keep finding us in all the nooks and crannies of life where we're resistant to change. May we be open to the possibility. May we loosen our grip that you can increase in and through us. That he who started a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. In Jesus' name, amen.